I will take weird, disturbing drawings of Sonic the Hedgehog on DeviantArt over QAnon any day. Yeah, me too, man. But just wait until they integrate all of it. <laughs> then we're gonna have people in their personalities storming the capital then Dude, but. what if it's like sonic running and then like in his running circle it's just a cue there and it's like where we go one we go all like, oh Dude, this sounds sick that's a tight shirt though we just came up with some new shit i don't i don't need to we don't need to encourage them at all Dude, we're starting new stuff right now we're crushing Apparently, is- we're starting the the key, the Sonic chapter of it, and Sonic. it's it's the gotta go fast chapter. Yeah, go fast. Where we go fast, we all go fast. Oh God! <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> if this wasn't so goddamn. <laughs> If you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and leave a comment about the episode. And if you're watching on Spotify or listening on a traditional podcast platform, please follow, rate us five stars, and leave a review if you would be so kind. Thank you. Welcome to the Way to Know You podcast, season two, episode 23. My name is Nick Rounds, and I will be your host. My next guest is a professional artist, podcaster, and actor. His art can be best described as what happens when you put Jack Kirby, Louis Cordero, Frank Frazetta, Dungeons and Dragons, and a bag of drugs into a blender. He's created album covers and collaborated on music videos for Mastodon and High on Fire. He's created amazing monster designer toys and even created his own pop-up Necronomicon book, fun for kids of all ages. When he's not busy shitposting on Instagram stories or feeling like life is an unknowable vacuum filled with fear and loneliness, he's hanging out with his wife, Christy, and petting his cat's clo- clone and little bones. Skinner. Wait, I know you. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. <laughs> you consider what I do shit posting? <laughs> I love, I absolutely love your unhinged uh, Instagram stories. I think my all-time favorite one that you ever posted was you found a resuscitation doll one time that had the face ripped off. Oh. And you're basically hitting on the resuscitation doll. You're like, look, let me cut to the chase. I want to have sex with a gross skeleton doll. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I I uh, I love um, you know non sequiturs and absurdism and I don't know. There's like uh, it's kind of it's kind of fucked up because it, 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 having Instagram and knowing that you can come up with a joke and that somebody's you could make you could post it. It kind of trains your mind to that. And like sometimes I have to be like, no, Skinner. Live in the moment, dude. Not everything needs to be a joke online, you know? And um, thank God I can remind myself to do that or else I'd be like one of these kids out here. <laughs> yeah, the, the cringy TikToks and everything. Well, I, I mean. <laughs> it's really strange to see this TikTok uh, culture, Instagram, like influencer culture, all this, the, the like filtering human behavior through this stuff is is ultra um it's like disconcerting you know and uh i'm trying not to sound too much like an old grandpa but um <laughs> i mean because i this i don't know if you feel this way i'm 44 but i feel more um like finely 
mentally well and happy and chill and not tripping out and freaking out. So I don't care about posting online because I'm like, whatever. I'm already like a human embarrassment. It's fine. (laughs) But like, but like when I was young, you know, thank God the internet wasn't around for me to post. Holy shit, dude. People would be using that, like blackmailing me. Like, Hey dude, I have like not like an endless vault of cringe featuring you. And it is, we have it all. You're gonna have to pay us money to, to not post it. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm grateful. I mean, there's a few VHSs that my mom has of like, you know, when you're growing up, you have the, you know, the, the VHS recorder, those are ultra cringe. That's like the OG. That's like the um, Paleolithic cringe. Um, the old VHS recorder shit. You find that stuff. Ooh, that's the that's the uncut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, young young teenage edge lords uh, need not record anything that they do. Uh, only stay in their lane. Don't be racist and shut the fuck up. Yeah, I feel, and it's like weird because I feel like I look back on my life and it is fully a practice for me not to just be like wincing with, you know, God damn, like what an idiot, you know, just oof, decision after decision, just everything i've said (laughs) every clothing all the clothing i've ever worn like every single way i've shown up in the world to me i'm just like yikes so So, you should should always be your own worst critic i mean if you if you are not critical of who you are or who you have been in the past and you're not growing as a person it doesn't matter how old you are you should always be critical of you can even have a critical hit of um, (laughs) <laughs> sorry that was a merch plug for skinner i had to I had, I had to rep the og shirt um OG, baby. hell yeah um but yeah i mean it, it doesn't you look at anything that you did like a decade ago it's going to be cringy because you you hopefully know a lot more now than you did then so yeah it goes to the territory yeah. i love that we've already gone into the realm of existential dread and uh <laughs> self-reflection but i am here to talk to you about your art which of course we can go back to the existential dread through your art but i do and you also have your own podcast which i love and i think is awesome we'll get to plug your patreon on your podcast later um but i want to talk about you sir i want to talk about all the amazing work that you do um as illustrated by all the crazy awesome artwork that's behind you um as far as like your influences and what you surround yourself with and i absolutely love your little picture of jack kirby as well oh Um, yeah there he is there's the king (laughs) i love him he wrote he signed his name and it's in quotes so he put his name in (laughs) quotes he put his name in quotes and then underneath in quotes he just wrote demon <laughs> and it's just like the most adorable photo of him looking all old and grandpa and shit dude that's that's the one man there's they never make they'll never make another one like that never for, for context the people are listening that are not familiar with jack kirby um i touched on it in the christy marks episode but um jack kirby is the peanut butter to the stanley chocolate of marvel comics um the responsible for the fantastic four and so many other amazing Marvel properties. Um, but 
building on that, um, I mentioned a bevy of artists in your intro, Kirby, Frazetta, Louis Cordero, um, and among the artists that influenced you when you're a little dude, uh, where do you see those influences reflected when they, within the art that you create today? I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I like looking back as I've gotten more and more into trying to be a good, like an actual illustrator person. Um, I look back more and more and realize that, you know, the stuff I was looking at in those comics and growing up, I was like, man, this, this was so influential in this way, if not, you know, forcing me to try to draw like them, but more like giving me an option to, um, I don't know, like exist outside of just like the mundane life of, of things. Like, I don't know. So, you know, I remember when I was, I think I was like six, like five maybe. And I had already had this really like intense penchant for fantasy and comics. I would watch, you know, Ultraman on TV channel two. Hell yeah. It was like a four channels or three channels back then. You turn the channel on the TV. It's like Jesse, Jesse antenna. Yeah. 1983 or something. But, um, you know, the Hulk TV show was on, um, you know, all that stuff. But, uh, I remember my dad had playboy magazines. He was like a <laughs> rough neck dude, like a sheet rocker guy. And, uh, he was like, you know, he'd be like, oh, this is a movie Skinner would like Beastmaster or whatever. But he had a so he would rent those movies. We'd have to rent a VHS machine and you'd you'd rent the mm-hmm. machine and then you'd rent like one or two tapes. You get like American Ninja, Beastmaster or Tor or Conan, whatever. All that stuff. Anyway, right. He had a, a, a playboy and there was a vodka advertisement in it and it had this woman on this uh polar bear she was like a warrior woman i think it was like a boris vallejo painting or something or ken mm-hmm. and my dad was like hey skinner check it out this is your shit you know and i remember just being like damn dude this is my shit this is my whole this is everything i care about like this is the whole thing. like but not the chicks i wasn't like pumped on naked chicks at six you know if i i was kind of like oh that's cool she's tough you know but um you know frank frazetta all this stuff kind of influenced me later but i was like really buying you know comic books from the antique stores and i lived in auburn and there was no it was not a modern town you know, so it's like Auburn, California, outside of Sacramento, California, right. correct? Yeah. And so I went to this antique store and they had these comic book boxes in there. And it was like a quarter for a comic, right? And they were comics from like 1970, 1965, 1968, 1978, you know, Avengers and Hulk and a couple of like plops and there basil wolverton or like dc dial h for hero you know all this stuff and i was like discovered it and i was like 
dude, this is crazy. What's this? These comics this is insane, you know? And uh, I was getting all into it, like nine, you know, 10 years old. And, uh, but the funny thing was, is that these comics were from when, from before I was born. So I was getting this, these comics and I'm like, dude, this, like, I thought they were new. I thought this was like the new stuff. And uh, so it, it's funny. It's funny. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm all into comics. Have you heard about comics? And uh, everyone's like, yeah, <laughs> those are like really old. I'm like, what? And then they're like, look at the date. And I was like, Oh, this is real. This is old kind of, you know, but if it, um, makes you, if it makes you feel better, I mean, I think all of our generation grew up with like Looney Tunes and a lot of that vintage animation. So I think a lot of people get it like a free pass in terms of like that kind of stuff. Like I was, I was chasing after like, uh, like Dick Tracy VHS as well. That show like was so racist and terrible, but I wait, loved it as a kid. The Dick Tracy was a TV show, a cartoon. Yeah. Oh, it was a cartoon. Whoa. Yeah. Racist, I mean, racist, like red racist caricatures yes uh if you want to get into it really quick we can but uh, you know because you know what's funny is dick tracy i could see it like because it's from the like referentially it's like 30s and 40s or whatever yeah so so that was you know definitely um it's funny because you think about dick tracy's bad guys it's like flat top flathead and like like bug eyes or whatever and i could see it like being raised it's like the yellow man or whatever. It's like an Asian dude. Yeah. Yep. I can totally see them doing something horrible like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So the Dick Tracy show, uh, so content warning to anybody that's watching the podcast. Um, I'm about to share some racial Im- imagery that's not held up well. So, um, but you can oh, research yeah, this. Well, I just Googled it, but. Well, dude, the comics were super racist, but it was a yeah. lot of it was based on nationalism too. Like jingoism, like, um, the yellow peril, yellow peril, yeah, yellow peril, and the clock. Like there was also like tons of you know black, uh, like black characters that were. Oh yeah, totally. The like glasses with the big teeth and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Joe Jitsu. So the joke about the cartoon series. Oh my god. Yeah. So the joke about the cartoon series is that uh, Dick Tracy hardly ever actually did anything in the show. He would literally sh- call his like Joe Jitsu or. Um, go go gomez uh on his stupid watch yeah hold on (laughs) go go gomez so uh so that's interesting so it was like so he didn't do go go gomez yeah this shit is racist as hell Uh, yeah 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 And yeah, the yellow so, and the, and the white guy is just like a dude in a yellow raincoat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dick Tracy didn't do anything on this on the show. He's an absolute piece of shit. Of course, I know this now that I'm an adult, but like, um, wow. Yeah, so that's just touching on like vintage animation that obviously hasn't held up well. But that's a oh, that's wow. a deep cut. Um, but there's an amazing there's an amazing book that came out years ago. I want to say like shit, almost like probably 15 years ago, called uh, Ego Trip the big book of racism and they covered everything in that. And that's actually a really awesome resource. If you just want like a history of like racist shit in, in film and cinema, it's actually a really interesting resource. So it's so interesting because uh short round was, Oh like, yes. Like, Kihi Kwan. Yeah. But it's interesting because 
he went from this like marginalized racist trope to being in the everything everywhere all at once movie that just came out. Yep. So good. Dude, it's maybe the most profound film I've ever seen in my life, man. It's incredible. But um, but uh, yeah, I was like, whoa, I was all wait, what? Do you want to talk about it after you're done? Talk about Kikwan. Sure. (laughs) I don't care. Yeah. But I just thought it was cool, like finally, like finally this comes like this guy gets to exist in a way that's not constrained by you know racism or, or racist tropes. You know, I was like, I was just, I was really celebrating for, for this, this happening. I was like, very like, wow, I did not know this would ever happen for this person, you know? But yeah, I I don't know. We can talk about that. It was great, man. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was really impressed by the movie. Um, I didn't know that he could do martial arts. Uh, I didn't know that he also was like helping out Wan Kar Wai and that he worked with Wan Kar Wai on 2046. Um, and I think the, the, the part of the movie that really stuck with me was, um, uh, spoilers if you haven't seen the movie, but I'm going to spoil it anyway. Um, I kind of just talked about it with my friend, Mike, but, um, I'm going to talk about it here too. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a point in the movie where he's kind of, uh, mirroring, there's some homages to like in the mood from love, in the mood for love from Wong Kar Wai. Um, Wong Kar Wai is an amazing director. And if you haven't seen any of his stuff, please rent all of Wong Kar Wai's movies. He's an incredible director. Um, wow. but yeah, the, the fact that Ki Kwan went to go work with Wan Kar Wai was amazing. And he also did, uh, do you know about all his like stunt work and stuff that he did in between his, his acting break? No. What did he do? He did the fight sequences for the first X-Men. Um, and he also, um, I got to pull it up, but he also did a bunch of Kung Fu, uh, and martial arts choreography for, um, uh for some other movies but um yeah he's been doing stunt work he's been doing directing um so he's been kind of behind the scenes but yeah having him come back full circle and become an actor again and like even though he's hit puberty and he's he's got a a dude voice you still hear a little tiny tiny key kwan in in his voice which always makes me happy so what did you think of the movie oh well i mean it was i thought it was you know it's re- it's really interesting because when you think about the stuff that disconnects us from each other, the busyness, the way our minds are are you know h- hyper calloused, and we're just so busy checking off the boxes and sustaining our survival in this like you know unforgiving inhuman kind of environment where you know you're being conditioned to believe that working all the time is the best way to be. And that, you know, if you do want to exist in some way, you actually have to commit to the capitalist, uh, um, treadmill, let's say. And that once you're in that treadmill, if you're not careful, you will forget why you even got in there. And in this film, it was really beautiful to see that the thing that was every that, that everybody was suffering from was that they weren't getting outside of themselves to reach out to another person or somebody tried already and was like, I can't really do this anymore. It's, it's, I, you know, and, and I think that like, I, I think about it too, like in my life, like so many times where I feel like, um, I thought I knew what was best 
and I thought that the what 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 I knew and, and and I didn't realize that my suffering and my disconnection and my not being able to spend time relating to people because I'm so busy doing what I think I'm supposed to do created such a distance between me and people that cared about me or people that I loved and that I would soon start to see people who wanted to connect with me as a pain in the ass. <laughs> You're stopping me from doing what I got to do, which is, uh, which is, which is like what the, the mom had that going on where she's like so busy that she's not connected to her family. She's totally miserable and she's neglecting herself. And it was like, Watching that film, you know, I watch everything and I realize now more than ever that everything, the way that we perceive everything is a little bit like a reflection of the way we, we see ourselves, we experience the world. Yep. So I'm like, whenever I have a reaction to something, if it's, I don't like this, or I do like that, or I'm upset, or I'm judging this, or I don't care or whatever, I always uh, take that as a moment to take us take stock with like well why 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 do i feel this way or huh this is what what does this have to do with me like the way i see myself or why why do i feel such sympathy for this character and why do i not have that same level of sympathy for myself in these times you know it's i don't know it's fascinating so i think that movie what that what that movie really does is it's a lot like therapy, that movie, because it, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, folk tales and um, stories that were created to um, provide a structure of warning to people. Parables. Ooh. Yeah. Parables. There you go. Thank you. I, I need help. Help me. That's I need Okay. Sure, that is that is that is what I'm here for. I'm, okay, I'm, thank you. So the parables. I'm, so so you have these yeah. parables, and it's like that movie is therapeutic because it's a parable for what could happen to anybody and what is happening to us all the time. Like, you know, healing and staying connected is is a, a day in and day out thing. That's 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 it. Like if you want to stay buff, you want to get healthy, you don't go to the gym like five times and go, all right, cool. I'm good. Like you have to go there all the time. And that's what, that's what it is with like, you know, reflecting on yourself in therapy and um, trying to understand yourself and know yourself in a deeper way so that you can then show up in a more um, authentic way in a more present ability in, in your relationships and in your life. And so I go see this movie and I'm like, I feel renewed, you know, that everything that I'm doing to try to not be afraid because I am super wounded or I'm traumatized or I'm distracted or I'm discouraged and I don't want to leave my heart open to people who I don't trust and this and that, all this shit. But I'm like, I'm renewed. It's like, no, it's, it's good. It's good to do that. It's a, it's a healthy trip to be on, you know, and I, and I, I honestly didn't really think that I would ever experience that in a, in a movie, you know, that's, you that's amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, did you feel that way? Yeah. Um, so everything everywhere all at once um, is probably one of the best movies that I've seen in quite some time. 
Um, the last movie that the Daniels did, uh, Swiss Army Man, I liked a lot. I feel like they fumbled the ending. I feel like they fumbled this ending as well a little bit. I think it dragged on a little bit too long. Um, I think the por- the portion with like uh, rounding the corner and the edges of like the her relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis, I don't think it was really necessary. It was cool and weird, but I think you needed like everything from the rock and on they really needed to like wrap it up and like slam dunk that ending because everything up until that point was like so incredible mind bend mind bending like when that whole sequence where she's blowing through the multiverse you see all the flashes of who she is which of course is if you have uh light sensitivity with like caesar and stuff like that like warning that's that's a huge problem for that movie um but there's a point where the movie gets really quiet and it's literally just um uh michelle Yeoh's character and her daughter are just rocks because that's all that's left in the universe they're just rocks with little googly eyes on them and it is there's so much philosophy tucked into it and there's so much beautiful just like um reflection and just an amazing moment of gravitas maybe granitas if you want to be a huge fucking nerd Um, um but i mean Good cinema should do that to you. It should shake you out of your comfort. It should make you question. Um, I mean, I think you really put it really well and succinctly about bringing yourself to the movie and putting yourself um, and analyzing how you feel about the movie. I think is super important. That's part of the reason why I, love, I fell in love with cinema in the first place um, is, you know, I think a good movie should make you feel like really like having an endorphin rush or just, uh, just make you really feel a certain way. I think any art should do that, honestly. Like if you hate it or love it, you're having an emotional reaction to it. And I think that means it did something to you. In fact, uh, when I was in film school, um, I wrote a, I wrote a paper on a film that I hated because it was really easy to write about wh- what I didn't like about it. And so um, similarly, like I, what good movie? art. Come on, you gotta tell me what movie. Oh, God damn it. All right. Jaws. Jaws so, 3. No, it's a movie called Hiroshima Mon Amour. Okay. Um, it's a French movie, and there's it. Okay. super it's, – it's boring. I hate it. Okay. Uh, I would not recommend it. There's other movies I was forced to watch, like Jules and Jim, which is French New Wave. Um, but, yeah, damn, it, it was – You're cultured. I don't know about none of this stuff, man. <laughs> I can – I want Beastmaster, buddy. <laughs> well beastmaster is fucking awesome i love beastmaster, beastmaster I love is all right uh you know what movie i, I want to continue but you know what movie i watched recently i've been watching it over and over again i love it it's called die monster die i have not oh, seen that boris karloff and it's an adaptation oh, shit. it's an adaptation of uh the color out of space um but it's like a mix mm. of the dunwich horror and color out of space by hp lovecraft but it is insane you have to see it anyway Go ahead. So, so you were so you were supposed to write a paper about a movie you hated, and you realized what you got to write papers about stuff you do like because that's harder. No, 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 no. So, uh, I had to write a paper about a movie that we watched, and we watched a whole bunch of movies, but the one that was easiest for me to write was writing a, a paper on Hiroshima Monomore because I hated it so much. But then afterwards, I respected the movie because I realized that a shitty movie, like a really mediocre shitty movie, like you just let it go from your consciousness. It won't stick with you. But if something was annoying enough to where you actually have to analyze like, okay, why did that annoy me? Or what did, what did I not like about it? It's still a good enough movie that you have to critique it in the same way that like, I mean, 
I'm projecting here, but I'm going to assume that you love shitty horror movies and that some of the enjoyment of a horror movie would be kind of pulling apart. Like, okay, why, why is this suck? But why do I love it? Uh, I, I dude, I'm pretty weird, man. As far as like, people think I like certain stuff, but I kind of don't, I, I like other shit. Like I am like, um, I'm sensitive in this weird way where I don't really like to see like, I definitely don't like realistic violence to humans. I don't like that. I like monster stuff, but if it's like insane where the monster like pulls a head in half, you know, and it's like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, that's gross. I don't, I can't look at it, but I'm kind of also like, ah, that's cool. Um, it's, it's hilarious that you say that. Cause I've absolutely fast forwarded. Um, so you hosted a, a limited series with super deluxe called, um, painting with Skinner. Yeah. And, uh, you always said like gnarly effects. I hundred percent like fast forward to those. I was like, I don't need to see Skinner rip off his face this week. Yeah. I, I, it's like, it's hard for me. I don't really like gore, man. I don't now I like drawings of gore. If it's, kind of like cool looking like i don't um it's weird man i'm i'm a i'm a trippy person like i like i'm like oh that's a scary zombie head that looks creepy you know like if bernie writes and draws something or whatever but i don't want to see like women getting mushed up and torn up and i don't want you know it's like i don't it's not um i don't i feel like i don't need to see cartoon versions of real life stuff that we haven't ever addressed right like, you don't need so, you don't need to see torture porn yeah i hate torture porn i think people like torture porn i'm like i just want to body slam them dude i want to do <laughs> i want to do torture porn to them i want to be like i want to be like you you make a torture porn movie i'm going to cut your feet off with a with a hacksaw dude that's what you get no i'm just that's kidding not, I, I that's Open joking warning to Eli Roth, I guess. Eli Roth, how about this, dude? Just stop making fucking movies, dude. I'm tired of this shit. I'm tired of this shit. But you know what? This is what I was talking. Okay, so I was talking to Phil the other day, and we were because we were joking. We're, we're oh. move to the Phil too. So, anyways, he, yeah. you know, he'll call and be like to ask for uh, references for movies for like, hey, you know anything cool on Shutter? You know, and I go. Let me preface this for the audience really, really, really yeah. fast. Um, so you have had the honor of not only meeting, but also collaborating with Phil Tippett. Yeah. Uh, for the audience at home who doesn't know who Phil Tipp Tippett is, he's an IL ILM legend responsible for the creation and animation of the AT-AT from Star Wars, Jabba, the Rancor, and also Ed 209 from Robocop, and my personal favorite, the Dark Overlord from Howard the Duck. Um, oh, yeah. That's cool. But... Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to. Sorry, he that. also the 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 crazy thing he did the dragon from Dragon Slayer. That's the crazy. That shit's nuts. In best dragon ever. Anyway, so he so we we hang out, we talk and, and shit and and uh, so he he called. He goes, "What do you got on Shutter? What do you got for me on Shutter?" And um and I said they got Brotherhood of the Wolf on there, and I don't know if you've seen it. It's like a French movie, and it's yep. weird. I I no, I like it because I'm an idiot. All right. Now I think it's cool. So he, so he's like, he's like, Oh God, it's the worst movie I've ever seen. You know? And, and I, and, and, and one thing that you should know about me is that I love it when people don't like stuff. 
I think I love to know about it. I want to know why. Like you hate this. Like, oh, like I love seeing people be like visually disturbed, you know. And especially when I think I, and when I like it, I'm like, oh, why? Tell me why. <laughs> so he's like, oh, it's the worst movie ever. But he says things that's interesting because then you you know, like, oh yeah, he's really thinking about stuff on a different level. He's like, but the shit that pulls me into these movies is the scope of everything. And it's, you know, it's interesting because when you talk to people that create films and create art and create all these things, like they like stuff that nobody's totally paying attention to, I think. And, I agree. and uh, so, but we talk about old movies, but he liked this movie on there called Possum, which is about mental illness. It's a horror film about mental illness and it is totally amazing and intense. It is so strange, but uh, yeah, his movie mad God is coming um, to shutter soon you guys got to watch that it was cool i helped with that there's a scene in there they kept my scene where uh there's a guy in a little jeep and he's going down this creepy little uh ziggurat and there's a point where the the wheels kind of fall off the uh the cliff that's my part that's, <laughs> that's my part when you see the wheel fall up that's me think think skinner when you see that all right so um but yeah so uh but yeah i don't know it's like okay wait let me ask you this so you watch this movie you're like i hate this movie what were your personal excavations that came up from examining why you didn't like it that much um so it's been <laughs> what what just like deep right Oh shit, let me think about this. It's been 20 years. I've not I've been out of film school for about 20 years. Um, but and it's been about 20 years since I watched the movie because right, well, you can you can give it to me small, fast chunk, bite chunk, bite-sized chunk. All right. You don't have to you don't have to go deep. It's all right. So <clears throat> we watched a lot of in film school, we watched a lot of um a lot of movies that were kind of against the grain. Um I think uh, I found one of my favorite directors from that from that class, specifically Luis Buñuel. Um, you know Buñuel if you follow Dali, Salvador Dali as well, um, because him and Dali were um, good friends uh, in Spain and hung out. And Buñuel's first film, Uncian Andalu, which film showed like at the beginning of the movie is um, a lady sitting on a chair who has her eye slit open um, by a straight wow. razor but it's actually a lamb's eye. Um, but it's just like a really surreal film, but that's just like a taste of the type of movies that I was watching in film class. So just like stuff I would never, ever seek out on my own. This movie Hiroshima Mon Amour, it's about um, these two lovers that are trapped inside of a apartment complex or like an apartment. They talk to each other really, really weird. They're like, um, they talk to each other in like, uh, in like really weird and unrealistic ways. They're like, this is how I'm feeling about you, blah, 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 blah. And like, they never actually say what their names are until the very end. And I won't spoil it for you, but um, it's just like really, it's a really bizarre film and it's, it's, it's really long. They're just talking to each other. Nothing happens other than just the dialogue straight up. Um, but it is a hard film to watch. If you've never suffered through any like film school stuff previously, like, there's a lot of film school stuff that's really hard to watch. And there's also other stuff that I'm really glad I watched. I'm glad that I watched 
Dr. Cal- uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the original Nosferatu, which is incredible, the French um, Beauty and the Beast, um, the Blue Angel, which is the first appearance of Marlene Dietrich, um, which is an amazing tragic love story from the 20s. Uh, uh, just and all the back catalog of Billy Wilder and stuff like that, like that's the kind of stuff I love. But again, it's a lot easier to write about something you dislike because you could you literally just dunk on it. You're like, fuck this movie. I hate this. And here's why. Um, but now, anytime I go see a movie to kind of bring the conversation around, anytime I go see a movie and I don't like it and I realize I don't like it in the movie, I will start actively dissecting it while I'm watching the movie. So, right. you know what I, you know what, uh, there's this thing that happens where, if you make something, you then kind of have a working knowledge of how it's made and it makes it really difficult for you to watch the movie or do anything like in that way ever again. Like yeah. I, I built a house. I built this house. We lived in, in Sacramento. I built a bunch of houses and shit. And it was hard for me to walk into a building after that without like just examining and looking at, like how good something was made or how shitty it was built or like what, like what were the choices they made with this and why'd they do this? And like the, you know, the plum is bad on the upward, you know, all this shit, you know? So when I watch movies now, I have this uh, a difficult time reserving and, and inhibiting that part of my mind, especially when I am stoned or if I like, so, so I'll get really stoned to go watch a movie and depending on how high I am, it will take me to these different levels of examining the movie. And the worst place I usually end up at is seeing the table full of people who are producing the studios, the people with the money and everybody who are talking (laughs) about the film. So I'm watching, you know, old man Logan. Right. And I'm like, it's and I hated that movie so bad. Like everybody (laughs) loved it. Everybody's like, it's cool, man. And I'm like, all I could see was the fucking assholes who thought they were cool and smart and interesting. Just talking about the movie behind the movie. And then. Because here's the thing. Western cinema is so crushingly. Uh, predictable and formulaic. So I I got, I was like, dude, this movie sucks balls. Like so hard. I hate old man Logan, whatever. Anyway, I have a lot of different opinions about films and movies and a lot of like, just like my regular friends. But when I talk to my other friends that make films and stuff, they're like, yeah, it was weird. That was weird decisions, you know? I got that same amount of high. Uh, I went and saw Wolverine. <laughs> I was laughing. I was laughing. So what you're, so what you're telling me is, is that you've gotten high to see every single offshoot of, of Hugh Jackman. No, 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 no. I saw Old Man Logan super fucking zooted. I was like, I had eight weed. I was like, this is fucked up. Like, this is this is hilarious. Like, this is so bad. Like, I'm, la- I'm laughing. My wife's next to me. She's like, She's like, stop, stop laughing. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing. Anyway, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I, where, where'd you see that though? Did you see it like at Jack London or something or in elsewhere? Berkeley, in Berkeley. Uh, okay. I was going to say, if you saw it in Jack London, you get a free pass for laughing out loud the entire movie. Dude, 
I love going to Jack London Square and watching movies Hell yes. with Oakland people. It is Hell my yes. favorite. Okay, so then every, I every every horror movie that I've ever wanted to see in the Bay Area, I always go yeah. to see the Jack London. Dude. Oh hell no. Fucking why are you doing that? Oh shit. So I I uh I fucking got that same amount of high and went and saw Shin Godzilla in the same theater. And I was watching this movie and I was like, this movie is perfect. It is fucking perfect. Like it is the perfect amount of commentary, satire, brutalizing bureaucracy, brutalizing patriarchy, uh, the ineptitude of leadership, the weirdness of cosmic horror, the unpredictability of cosmic horror, um, the just a Zen slap. I, I was pumped. You know, and I'm like, this is the difference between like a fucking cool, weird art film, Shin Godzilla, and some formulaic bullshit, Old Man Logan. Anyway, so I'm probably making a lot of enemies and stuff right now, but I don't care. You come at me, I'll check it out. <laughs> the Berserker Rage. I, I like it. I like how in that movie, if you watch that movie again, it's like, um, Logan's like, he's like, shut up. Uh, wait, what's his name? Shut up, Xavier. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about, Xavier. Shut up. And then also everybody's getting injected with like weird chemicals. Like, oh, I'm getting injected. Like injecting a little kid, injecting Wolverine, injecting Xavier, injecting everybody. The other thing, last thing I want to say before we move on, I don't want to keep saying all night. They're like, they're like, dude, the most crazy, dangerous mutant of all time is on the run. Dude, we got to hunt him down. How should we hunt him down? I don't know, like six SUVs. Like, what the fuck, dude? Get out of here. Anyways, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nick. I don't know. No, you're good. You're good. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you like that. that yeah. The comic is okay, um, but. Oh, yeah, it's just fine. Yeah, the I'm, Hulk I'm, family, the inbred teenage or like the weird Hulk family, that was cool in the in the comic, Old Man Logan. Mm, I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of weird stuff in that. I, I think the only part that was like interesting was just like um, Patrick Stewart's take on Professor Xavier. Uh, I, I thought was interesting to see like a decrepit version of, of Xavier on screen. I thought was actually really interesting. But He's yeah, like, otherwise, Logan. You must protect the child, Logan. You must. He's like, shut up, Xavier. Shut up. Ah. You know, it's just like, all right, dude, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like the uh, girl from the Neverending Story for like two seconds. Say my name. Say my name, Xavier. Wait, no. Say my name, Logan. Say my name. Dude, I rewatched that movie not too long ago. It is perfectly like composed the whole movie mm -hmm. it is like it is there's no fat on that whole movie it is the the whole composition the whole the whole chronology the way that one thing moves to another thing moves to another thing it's totally interesting there's never any like wow this is weird why'd they do this you know like how many movies do you watch where you're just like wait why did they just do that yep it's fucking dumb yeah, well, I mean, uh, a good movie doesn't waste script. Um, the assumption is that everything that's on the page and on the screen is intentional, and that they're not—it's not just filler. Like it's every every opportunity and every like you know 
sell a film is being used and utilized. Like those are some of the best movies and favorite movies where beginning to end every piece of dialogue is super important. There's no throwaway dialogue unless it's a comedy, then who cares? But yeah, yeah. I agree. Let's get some good writers going here, dude. <laughs> can I have a comic book writer that can actually write a good comic book movie? But yeah, I'm excited for Dr. Strange. It's coming out. It'll be out oh, by yeah, the time this cool. airs. That'll, but... that'll be cool. I'm excited to see that one uh, character. That's like the eyeball with the tentacles. Oh, I used, I used one to that's play... that based on a uh, Shuma Garath, but they had to. Yeah, it like that. that's it. I used to play that character in street fighter versus Marvel versus Marvel. Capcom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Marvel versus Capcom. Going to take you for a ride. Hell yeah. Berserker barrage. <laughs> Come on, all right i'm gonna move us off x-men yeah, is, that, yeah. is that clone is that the yeah, clone the clone the world famous clone the, <laughs> he's just not hate. happy that yeah. she's upset she doesn't want to show off she doesn't like it when i show off with my wolverine claws <laughs> no berserker barrage for her <laughs> um all right so we got out of a huge <laughs> tension about movies yeah yeah what are we talking about now what do you want to talk about let's my talk podcast? about well, we talked about Phil Tippett, um, but I want to go back to some of the cool stuff you've done. Yeah. Um, so actually, I'm curious because uh, um, I touched on it when I interviewed Horrible Adorables and then meeting Frank Kozik. Um, but you shared a uh, creative space with Frank for quite some time. Um, yeah. How did you end up meeting uh, Frank and collaborating with him? And um, what are some of the best lessons that you learned from your time with working with Frank and hanging out with him? Frank was uh, he's cool, man. He um interesting individual and getting to know him as a friend is like, he's it's different than he's, he's coarse, you know, that's just him. He's like a coarse person, but um, he's honestly like a really sensitive dude in a lot of ways. And uh, I have a lot of compassion for him and what, like how he's survived this world is like difficult. You know what I mean? Especially somebody who's, had to like, you know, trailblaze in so many different ways and reinvent himself to survive and become an artist, stay an artist and stay creative and do all this shit. I mean, it's insane. The stuff that that guy's done. So, um, I met him. He, he reached out to me. He saw some like weird ass statues that I made that nobody else liked. There was like a berserker vampire berserker. There was like a swamp hag. And then there was like a wizard with an owl on his shoulder and they, they were big. They kind of looked like thrift store, like, you know, flea market shit. You'd find <laughs> in, uh, and <laughs> they look like you'd find them in uh, Tijuana or something, you know? And um, so he, uh, he, he saw those on my site and he goes, dude, do you have any of these for sale? He emailed me and I say, sure, man, you want to buy some? He said, yeah. And then, uh, and then we, I, I'm sorry, one second, let me climb, no, please. Um, and then, uh, and so I sold, I sold him a set and then, uh, we just kind of like, kind of became friends. And I think he just kind of, he liked me because in the toy, in the toy stuff, like, I think he could tell I was a little, just like rat ratty, you know, a little rough around the edges, a little ratty. So he's not like, okay, this is like one of those weird kind of like, you know, uppity designer toy dudes or whatever. And uh, I was like, sure, like, let's be friends. And so I, you know, I sold him stuff. I checked out his spa. It was like, you know, 
really overwhelming to be in his space as a really big, crazy, you know. And then uh, I moved to Oakland and we kind of stayed in touch and I would go visit him and I would paint toys at his studio and hang out with him and we'd have lunch and, and stuff. And uh, over time we became closer friends and uh, he, he said, why don't you just have a studio here if you want, you know? And so I would just Bart from Oakland over to, you know, the studio and hung out and it was awesome. You know, inside my own little space up there, we would hang out and um, we would listen to doom metal and he would share tons of stories. And I, I learned a lot, but like the thing, the things that I learned from him was like a lot of business stuff, you know, um, I learned to value what I do in a way that I never would have if it wasn't for him, because you're talking to somebody who, you know, sold album cover art to the offspring for like $70,000. You know what I mean? Which is unheard of. He, he, he directed a music video for Soundgarden for like a million dollars or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's like, and also the owner of man ruins records broke Queens of the stone age with their first album. Yeah. He's done incredible stuff. Yeah. He also, um, he paid tool to record that, uh, cover of led zeppelin's oh no quarter on their live album yeah i mean he he put out melvin's he he did so much shit he was incredible it was like huge and then you know uh distribution went bad and things got really hard and weird for record labels and all this stuff but like um so he starts out as like a a rock poster guy kind of gains all this notoriety from that and then becomes a an album or like a like a like a record label guy and then and then basically is like all right now i'm just going to be in charge of like designer vinyl toys or whatever but the things i learned from him business wise you know he's like because there was like times when i would have like big uh, chances to do big things for bigger bands and like larger entities and stuff and I would say, this is how much money I need to do this thing. And then, you know, it wouldn't work out because maybe that was like more than they wanted to spend or whatever. And I would say, dude, I'm so frustrated. You know, I'm so fucking mad. Like I I paid, I'm paying so many dues and I'm getting to this point and it's not working. And he's like, dude, listen, it is not personal at all. None of this is personal. None of it has anything to do with you even. It's just, this is like, they don't have the money. It's like, don't take it personally. It is only business. It has nothing to do. They're not trying to insult you. Nobody's trying, nobody knows what you've done or haven't done in this way. Like nobody knows about you paying dues, you know? And um, it really helped because then I could like emotionally unhook from feeling like, like, God damn it. Like just pay me what I'm worth, you know? (laughs) Um, And then, uh, but besides that too, it was like, there was like a moment where I was going to go to art base, art Basel. And it was, they were going to give me, it was like this, some deal where they're like, we'll give you 500 bucks to pay for your plane ticket. But then I would like, I'd be on the hook to like pay for everything else and do all this shit. But I was like, it'll be fun. I'll hang out with my friends. And, but at the same time, Mastodon was like, we want you to do our record cover, you know? 
And I was like feeling stressed because I'm like, oh, I want to go to Art Basel and do this shit, but I'll do record. And 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 Frank was like, dude, you have to figure out what the priority is, you know. And he's like, you don't want to go to Art Basel. I can already tell. Why don't you just make the decision you want to make, you know? So it was just like shit like that, you know, where it was like, I I think that there's something to be said about staying in your own lane for so long that it's just, it just is going, you know? And, and with Frank um, being in the right place, the right time is a lot easier to do when you're just like, you know, too tough, too, too, <laughs> too tough to go away. You know what I mean? And so with him, it's like, it's interesting. Cause he's, yeah, he's like, uh, he's a, in charge of kid robot and shit makes hella good money. Like he does whatever he wants. Like, um, he's world renowned and he's a legendary dude. Um, but you know, what's also really funny though, is that he's fully a historian. Mm. So if you want to know about shit, like sometimes like we'll be all drunk with him at uh comic con or something. <laughs> and then he'll, he'll say, Oh, do you want to know? Like, it'd be like something like, do you want to know why uh, you are not Muslim? And I'm like, oh, no, why? And he's all, because Vlad Tepish, known as Vlad Dracula, was such a brutal dictator that he kept the Turkish army at bay. And he'll just go into this thing, you know, like, wow, that's crazy, Frank. That's <laughs> fucking cool. Wow, that's crazy. And then, uh, and then another thing that I like to do is get him, because we listen to Art Bell, coast to coast, when we were up there uh, all the time, late at night, listening to, I'll smoke weed and listen to that with him and he'll, he'll be drawing his like shit and his whatever, like evil bugs, bunny art or whatever. <laughs> and I'll be drawing like a little Satan or something. And then uh, he'll, it, it, we'll listen to it and um, he'll, he'll, he'll go, Hey Skinner, you want to know why uh, aliens have not visited earth in our lifetime in, in within the span of the human race being a- around I'm like, what? And then he'll just draw out a whole uh, graph about like the amount of years that it takes to travel in a certain velocity and that the nearest possible planet that could house alien life, depending on what the Goldilocks zone would be in that particular galaxy versus like how long it would take them to get here. And like the, the probability of like how that like, how advanced a race of, of star spanning beings would need to be on a certain planet at a certain time in order to get to us. And I'm like, damn, you're crazy, Frank. That's cool. But like, you know, this is the thing is, uh, you know, people are interesting for one reason, but then you find out that like the, the, you know, the, the breadth and the width of, of, of what people really are is so much bigger you know, but you need the time and the, and, and the opportunity. Like I've, yeah. I learned about his life growing up as a child in communist Spain, you know, and he would, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's like crazy. The shit that he shared with me and that, like, I actually don't know if he's shared with a lot of people, but um, yeah, I'm not trying to dox him, but I was um, probably annoying to him. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like I still text him. Sometimes he gets back to me. Sometimes he doesn't, but um but I, you know, I don't know. I love him. Um, but yeah, I still, and- it's like one of those things where like, you know, the kind of 
shit that people have to do in order to to live a life like that is like probably not a lot of time and energy to like have a bunch of friends like me around going tell me about aliens man you know so <laughs> i don't know i tortured the fuck out of him so it's just all everybody likes to be a good punisher um i, I mean Dude, i talked to so many of these dudes though all these old like and I, I go oh i'm gonna be friends with this guy whatever and like <laughs> you seem to be cool with it. <laughs> they don't mind <laughs> yeah i was gonna say you're friendly with buzz buzz from the from the melvins oh yeah um, yeah he's yeah i talked to him and i mean it, it is kind of trippy like if you think about i guess i'm like kind of an unassuming person in, in this weird way where i have am a giant fan of all these people first and then I meet them and then I kind of, I kind of become their friend. And then I'm like, this is really rearranging the way that I experience people before I meet them. You know, it's, uh, everybody's just like a regular ass person yep. and then they just, it's just what they choose to do with their life. That makes them kind of fascinating. And with buzz, I, <laughs> I, this is the thing though. I, I should do podcasts with these people that, I, that these like, like do make a new podcast called people I have annoyed. And then just like, you know, you know you end up, but like uh, with buzz too, I always, I always ask him like, Oh, what's your favorite Metallica album or something? And he's just like the one with Lou Reed. You know? and he'll, he'll just say, he'll just say crazy shit. You know, it's just like funny to get these guys to say weird, you know, crazy stuff but but he's also like a very um artistically uh knowledgeable person too he we had like a long ass talk about man ray the photographer and stuff but he oh he, nice yeah, yeah because he's like really into um he he like a lot of these guys is like enjoying art in this way that's has nothing to do with production value you know because we're a very production value uh, obsessed culture mm. and we're obsessed with the preservation of the ideas of things in a high, high production value way, instead of just letting things be kind of raw and insane, like John waters or something where it's like, it's not about measuring up. It's about just being in the moment in a lot of ways, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. These people are funny as hell, man. Like, but buzz <laughs> but i was like dude if i do that's what i was thinking in my in my mind i was thinking if i could do a melvin's album cover then i would have done mastodon high and fire and melvin's which are like my three favorite band oh yeah there you go <laughs> hell yeah you know i could tell you a funny ass story about that album cover oh dude, please do no matt <laughs> matt pike so um I would call, so they were like really concerned that I was going to do some kind of like weird psychedelic rainbow art or something like, and I'm like, dude, I I understand what you guys do. I'm not trying to make rainbow, you know, rainbow art for you. Okay. It's not going to be like a seven, you know, black light poster or something. I understand you guys are brutal. You want to be seen as brutal. Is that them responding? Because you did the Mastodon album for Once More Around the Sun as well. Right, um, which is like every crayon in the crayon pack. That's that's what <laughs> that's what Ron says. He goes, he used every crayon in the crayon box. Every crayon in the box. But um, 
So I, I'm like, well, whatever, man. You guys, you guys asked me. You asked me. So I, so I, um, I, I was like, guys, it's gonna be all dark and evil. Like, don't worry, it's fine. Don't, you know, like I understand. I, I, you know, and um, <laughs> so I start sending sketches. But I was talking to Matt, and he would call. He would call. You know, call me and be like. Hey Skinner, I got ideas, shit, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, what's your ideas? And he's like, uh, dude, there's these giants in the hills of Afghanistan that the United States Army has been battling. Uh, <laughs> the giant, oh yeah, it's the tight, the giants of Kandahar in the hills of Afghanistan. Uh, dude, it's uh, and they're um. Cause, and it's, cause it's all, it's all woven into the conspiracy stuff, you know, um, the giants of Kandahar, it's like a giant in a cave in the hills of Afghanistan that the, the, the Marines were dispatched to kill. And this is part of the Anunnaki legend and the, and, and the, um, the, 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 the um, what is that? Um, the, the Gilgamesh shit, all this Gilgamesh, mm. you know? You know all this stuff and i'm like it's so he called <laughs> he called me and was like so there's these like giants and so so he kind of just went off for a while i'm kind of a tangent, you know and i'm i'm just listening to him i'm like oh dude that's crazy man that sounds good um and uh so he's like yeah and then the anunnaki are coming down and like i want this uh you know so he kind of just went on and on about these things and I was like, okay, I think I, I think I know what you're into. You want some Anunnaki, like evil cosmic power shit. You want like whatever, whatever. Um, and he goes, yeah, you got to read. But he's all, listen, if you want to do this right, you got to read the Epic of Gilgamesh. And I was thinking like, well, I said, oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. Which is what I say to everybody. I said, oh, sounds good. I'll do. All right. Sounds good. You know? Cause you just want to keep it moving, you know, keep I mean? it, keep it pushing. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and I, and I, but I was thinking in my mind, I am not reading the Epic of Gilgamesh, my friend. I'm, I apologize. That will not happen. Now I might listen to the audio book, but, um, I ain't doing no goddamn Epic of Gilgam Gilgamesh research for this. You are getting what uh, evil skeleton man. If I want to do it. <laughs> so I, uh, and then, and then he goes, uh, Oh, also, uh, I wrote, uh, there's a song on there about like a witch and like a little werewolf dog or something too. All right, cool. Talk to you later. Bye. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, all right. And so, uh, I did a bunch of sketches and, um, <laughs> I did these sketches and I was like, this is going to be cool. And I did them more and more and made them, you know, I thought they were awesome. And I was like, all right, I'm doing an Anunnaki God creature with chains on him busting through a temple and there's like a conjurer creek guy there and he's getting blasted and all this stuff. and i did anunnaki um you know stone carvings and shit and all this stuff and I, I still to this day like don't even know if if he likes it or not or you know <laughs> but they did accept it they just said cool we'll take it <laughs> That's all you can ask for. I mean, Mad Pike seems like a really, really intense dude. So I, he's, I think he's if you ultra mellow, he's mm -hmm. he's ultra mellow. It's just that um, 
I think that the things that he's into, he's just really into them, you know? And I personally am a connoisseur of conspiracies as a very interesting form of group, uh, like collective, like fan fiction, you know? It's like, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, we're all participating. We're all kind of, you know, it's like QAnon, you know, everybody's like participating and adding their own, you know, it's like, what do they call it? A fan fiction. It's just all a collective yeah. performance art fan fiction based on people's fears and their disinterest. I, I will, I will take weird disturbing drawings of Sonic the Hedgehog on DeviantArt over QAnon any day. Yeah, me too, man. But just wait until they integrate all of it. <laughs> <laughs> then we're gonna have people in their personalities storming the capital then Dude, but. what if it's like sonic running and then like in his running circle it's just a cue there and it's like where we go one we go all like, oh, this sounds sick that's a tight shirt though we just came up with some new shit i don't i don't need to we don't need to encourage them at all Dude, we're starting new stuff right now we're crushing Apparently, we're starting the the key, the Sonic chapter of it, and Sonic. it's it's the gotta go fast chapter. Yeah, go fast. Where we go fast, we all go fast. Oh God! <laughs> <I'm t> <laughs> if this wasn't so goddamn, <laughs> oh, oh if this wasn't God. so goddamn funny, I would cut it because I don't want to have any crazies latch no, onto this. You gotta holy keep shit, it, dude! Where we go fast, we go fast. <laughs> Where we go fast, we all go fast. That's how it should be. That's what it should be, dude. And that's how oh, you. That's, sorry, I'm really sorry. I. But that's how you start a cult, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Just like that. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that. We're, all right, we kind of went off on a tangent there. That's but all good. People all enjoy good. it, right? Oh, absolutely. No, that was that was incredible. I'm just trying to avoid us accidentally starting a cult oh, or a faction of it. It's too late. It's <laughs> a, we're, cult, we're a cult of cult of people who are too busy like rolling on the ground laughing at how dumb everything is to do anything. That's the cult I'm trying to start. I respect the, that. The dumb, the dumb rollers. <laughs> the, the fast rollers, yeah. Yeah, we're rolling fast, baby. Oh. <laughs> Look at this. This is this is a starting a little bad here. Isn't this the new, the new scarf accessory for uh, 2022? Mm -hmm. Oh Lovely. my god! Wait. So did you want? Was I supposed to say anything smart about going to art or something? What is this? Uh, so, ask me anything, buddy. This is a Reddit at AMA. This is the AMA. Let's talk about let's talk about your toy stuff, sir. I want to circle oh, back to yeah. there. The Dr. Roxo uh, uh, bullet belt. <laughs> yeah, made by Unbox Industries. Unbox. Um, they're awesome. They're the best. Right now, I'm waiting to find out because I did some Devil Man illustrations um, at behest of them for a go Nagai collaboration that I've been trying to get going for a while, but it's, um, it's kind of this fun, mysterious thing to know when people in Japan want to do stuff or not, you just go, oh, okay, they do, or they don't, I don't know, whatever. And it's like, oh, you just never know why or when or what. Cause that's, what's kind of fun about cultural differences is that like, you're like, oh, interesting. Okay that's why you like that or don't like that. Okay. Um, Cause I'm, I'm through, I've confused every American and I'm moving on to the other continents now. So 
you're there to you're there to annoy people and <laughs> this as well. But um, yeah, unbox. I've got uh, yeah, this toy with James Groman would be cool. I've been working on it with him during the pandemic. Uh, we wanted to do some stuff where it's like a cursed god, two cursed gods that are merged together. And um, but he's yeah, he's he's awesome. I've been trying to figure that out. I kind of the toy the toy stuff got like kind of I, I just got sick of like using the toxic paint to paint the toys yeah i get that it was brutal i did not like it and i was kind of afraid i was like you know what i was thinking this would be the dumbest way to die is if like in a couple <laughs> years a couple years from now they're like oh you painted too many toys now you have cancer in your butthole or whatever i'm like nah i don't or your face, your face has cancer. So I didn't want to um, do it. And I still have a bunch of toys. I should send you one. You love toys, huh? They're pretty fun. I do. I'm not going to say no, but you don't uh, you're not obligated to send me anything if you don't want to. But, you know, I, um, I have this Morbs toy that I really like that Unbox Industries made, which is based on a character from my second issue of Skin Crawl that's coming out. That's gonna scare the shit out of you, Nick. It's gonna scare you. Um, but, uh, well, oh yeah, let, I let's go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about Skin Crawl um, because last year uh, you you kicked off a successful um, Kickstarter uh, pitching Skin Crawl magazine. And this year you just launched your Patreon. You have your own podcast called Hanging with Skin Man. Um, <laughs> you've took on a lot of work, a lot of amazing things. Um, so what inspired you to create Skin Crawl Magazine beyond some of those vintage horror magazines? Because um, you, you have Eerie, uh, like a magazine cover Eerie right behind you, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, stuff in that vein of like uh, Castle of Frankenstein and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, I wanted to do like a creep show um, thing. Uh, I had, you know, I did a lot of, you know, the music videos I did like Mastodon or uh, High on Fire and stuff like that. It was these treatments that I did where I was really excited about telling stories like narrations. And I was like, cool. It's like you can get funding to kind of do like a short film and uh for a music video and but then what happened was the old ye old pandemic hit hit uh hit us up and i was like you know i have all these um music video ideas that i want to do i had one that i want to do for like faith no more i want to do another one for mastodon i want to do it for all, all these different concepts and it's like well i'm gonna just write these out into because it's basically like how I would want to do them as videos. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make these like, you know, little comics during the pandemic. And it was extremely hard for me. It was like a, a learning curve. Comics are really, really difficult. Um, Pete Von Schale helped me with layouts and I wrote it all out and tried to like over and over again, like writing something and then trying to do it better and like better and better and better. And I was thinking, you know, Comics have been extremely important in my life. I think they're the, just the fucking best. I've loved them since I was a little guy. Um, but I was always afraid to take on uh, 
the responsibility of making one because sequential art is extremely difficult. It's strange and hard to do. So I didn't know. I was like, well, but, but, you know, I was like, well, I got a lot of time on my hands here. It's the pandemic. (laughs) uh, So I just did it. And I was like, well, this is fucking, this feels good, you know? And then when it came, they came in, I was like, this is great. The Kickstarter was super successful. Everybody seems happy. Um, yeah, I was pumped, man. I mean, I'm I, the second one is done now, or uh, all the illustrations done now. I'm gonna do the coloring and get that done. And um, I'm in talks right now to have Skin Crawl turned into like one of those no sleep style podcasts. Oh, red. Yeah, so it's gonna be like a you know a, a radio play type shit. You know, Skin Crawl magazine. So I have like a whole season that they're gonna buy a season. They have a good budget. So I'm going to do that, get Rotten Raleigh back in the mix. That's the host of the, the comic. Um, the, the the severed hand that has a face and mouth on it, yes. Yeah, the severed hand. It's a cursed claw. It's, an, <laughs> it's neurotic, a neurotic, mentally unbal- unbalanced, cursed claw. <laughs> and uh, here, let me show you... Um, so in between each story, I like to do a splash page of the character. So here he is getting therapy from his therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then this is, he's taking a ride on this crocodile. He's got a chicken wing. He's a chicken, yeah, chicken leg. He's keeping him moving. <laughs> This your is, your your ink and line work is so so incredible. Like even uh, just your black and white stuff always blows me away. Like how intricate and amazing it thanks, is, bro. This is it. Raleigh goes to war. <laughs> like Sergeant Rock. So you know, I was gonna say that kind of reminds you of like um, Stormtroopers of Death a little bit with that kind of oh, style. Yeah. So I I you know I'm just doing this stuff, but um yeah right now I'm working on that the and then uh, I have a. A video game, the 16-bit, 32-bit video game that's sort of like Ghosts and Goblins meets Golden Axe. It's called Flesh Haunted Lords. And uh, we're really, really close to having like a playable first first level, uh, the intro and all this stuff. And then I'm going to talk to my friend who works at Epic Games, and we're going to try to get that that produced for Steam or, or Nintendo Switch or something. Um, and then uh, my movie shrine of abominations that's uh stop motion horror fantasy that i've been working on that's going good um that's uh phil Tippett is directed to all the live action scene oh he did he he, he co-directed the live action scenes but he did all the camera work mm. on both of them um but uh as you can see i'm just a real busy body <laughs> i got i don't know what else to do with myself man well skinner i appreciate your time and we've only scratched the surface all, all the amazing stuff that you do but i don't want to take up too much more of your time because i appreciate it but i do have one last oh yeah very important question for you lay it on me baby and it's very serious are you ready mm-hmm. what is your favorite episode of the x-files and why man i i think the episode home is really good because it's super scary and it's like creepy, but it's also about understanding um, 
class, uh, people of low class being left behind. Um, but I also, God damn, dude. The yeah, one, I didn't mean to drop a bombshell on you, but no, I, it's okay. It's okay. But the one, the one with, um, uh, God damn, dude. The one with the guy who eats livers, who like lives, <laughs> that one is fucked up. That's a two part, I think. But, uh, the one, the one that, uh, with the little Russian, uh, leech man, the, the, you know, that one where he's in the sewers, the leech man, that one's scary as hell. Mm -hmm. And the, li the liver one was uh, Eugene Tombs. I think the episode. Yes, Tombs. We got yeah. Tombs. That one is scary. Is he almost got Scully, dude? He almost got her. Yeah, I don't know, man. There, I, I was thinking about it the other day. It was uh, I was talking to somebody and they and we were laughing because you know it's basically like here's a scene, right? Something weird happened. There's a body. It's all burned up. Uh, Mulder's like, this looks like the work of a high-level alien probing uh, device that could have destroyed the the body, Scully. And then, uh, and then he's like, all right, Scully, examine the body. Do all the actual like work, and then like look at it, examine it. You know, medical style, like you do. And then I'm going to just kind of look around and see what's going on, do a little research, something. And then <laughs> that's what happens. And then Mulder goes and looks around. And he's like, oh, yeah, this is some alien shit. That's what I'm talking about, whatever. And then Scully's like, Mulder, these burns are done by a thing. Like, whatever. And he's like, I don't know, Scully. Sounds kind of crazy. And then she does more work, right? She does more, even more, like, research and shit. And then it kind of like comes to a crescendo at the end of the show and then something else crazy happens. And then Mulder's like, you know, and Scully's like, I think it was this and this and this scientific thing. And whatever. And then Mulder's like, guess we'll just never know. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Right. Am I right? Like it's fucking funny, dude. It's hilarious. So I don't know. That's, uh, the movies are terrible. The oh god, yeah. Oh fuck. Oh. Oh. Yeah. My my favorite episode was um, I think the one where they're trapped in the cabin with like the flesh eating bacteria that's out flying outside that only stays in the like it only is repelled by the light or whatever. And like if they go outside during the nighttime, they'll get they'll get eaten alive. That's a scary one, dude. You know what else one was scary? The fucking cult one where they had the little worm. In their oh yes that was a good one dude that one yeah. was crazy that one was crazy i also like the uh the one about the asian gambler dudes the chinese gambler guys but, i don't know if i saw that one or maybe i don't I, remember in, it. They're in chinatown it's like the the luck money and all that stuff mm, that one that's a, that sounds familiar yeah um oh, dude on friday nights man i would get out of school and then i would my mom would drive me down to my friend's older brother's house and we would smoke brown weed and we would watch X Files. <laughs> and then we would go, we would go out to this gothic industrial club called the Amazon. And we would go out there and I would just be like, dude, my life fucking is cool. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> the best times of my life, baby. But yeah. But dude, this has been fun, man. This is cool.
Yeah, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Um, yeah. yeah, again, we didn't get to scratch on, we didn't touch on everything you did, but let's this plug is your what stuff. happens with me is that everybody has a question. I feel like I'm one of those elusive little genie men or something where I'm like, ah! you ask me a question, I'm like, what about all this stuff? <laughs> you, you cannot control Skinner, you can only ride the ride. <laughs> Buy buy the ticket, take the ride. No, it's yeah. good. You actually answered a couple of questions I was going to ask you anyway, so it's all good. But let's plug your stuff, sir. Where can people find you? Uh, your Patreon, your Instagram, all that stuff. Instagram is at the Art of Skinner, where I'm like incessantly trying to remind people to go on my Patreon. But my Patreon's fun. But I got to figure out a better way of, of doing it. But my 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 podcast is on YouTube, hanging with the Skin Man on my art or on my channel at the art of Skinner. I think it's the art of Skinner YouTube channel. Um, other than that, uh, Bay merch slash Skinner, uh, for my, my web store. I have a lot of crap on there. You might like, um, but yeah, I don't know. Just on online, you'll find me there. Shit posting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to cut to the chase. I want to have sex with a faceless skeleton today. I remember that now it's coming back to me. There's a, uh, there's like this like reusable uh, thrift store type place up the, up the street on telegraph. Mm. And uh, that's where that skeleton was. <laughs> I would have guessed urban ore in Berkeley, but there's something like that, but yeah, that's good. <laughs> no. Amazing. No. All right, Skinner. Could talk to you for like another two hours but i want to be respectful of your time but thank you so much absolutely i'll come back all right all everybody right. else thanks for watching thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time